feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we will give you the latest on a lot of the big primary races that are taking place across the country. There's a number of them and a number of news outlets just in the last few minutes calling the Missouri Senate race. Uh, They are calling it for Eric Schmidt, um, who is the attorney general there, a long time known and also in an interesting race, by the way, because President Trump put out that he is endorsing Eric in the Missouri Senate race, the GOP primary, which is tonight. And there are a number of Eric's uh, that are running. But in that specific race, there's two. There is Eric Crichton's and there is Eric Schmidt. And now polls showing that it appears that Eric Schmidt has pulled out that race, which is a big one in Missouri Senate. And we'll keep you posted on a lot of the other ones. Some of the polls have not even closed yet in places like Arizona and elsewhere. And as we get details on some of the biggies, of course, uh, Michigan, too, is another big one. Tudor Dixon, who was supported by President Trump. It looks like she has won that handily. So, so far, it looks like a decent night for President Trump and the candidates so far that have won the primaries. And again, we will keep you posted as some of the big results come in here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, no doubt national security and Foreign policy and overall security will be a big issue on the ballot. And everybody is talking about today the member of Congress who's not running. It's Nancy Pelosi. She is indeed over in Taiwan. Now, I thought she would go to Taiwan. I thought there was no way she could not go to Taiwan after it got leaked out that she was potentially going there, which to me in and of itself, was a huge national security risk. I thought it was outrageous that somebody apparently maybe in the White House or on Capitol Hill, whoever it was, was trying to basically usurp her and cause controversy. And boy, did they, because there was so much controversy surrounding her visit. But she and a few others touched down in Taiwan a few hours ago And here is what Congressman Mike Gallagher, a Republican, had to say about her arriving there. I salute the speaker for going ahead uh, as she planned. It was an important signal to send to the Chinese Communist Party that we will not be intimidated, that neither the CCP nor the executive branch gets a veto over the travel of members of Congress, particularly constitutional officers. Uh, This is entirely consistent with the language of the Taiwan Relations Act as well as the Taiwan Travel Act. Speaker Pelosi did not violate any protocol. This is a useful way of fostering deeper ties between Taiwan and American officials. So I salute her for that. What we need to do going forward on a bipartisan basis, because I wish this trip had been bipartisan. And he wishes the trip had been bipartisan. What are your thoughts about it, first of all, that he actually landed in Taiwan, that she landed in Taiwan? And by the way, it was amazing to see. You could see the buildings in Taiwan, the biggest tower in Taiwan. They've got some pretty big ones there. Uh, had a huge message. All it said was, thank you. And it was a message to Nancy Pelosi and to those coming on this trip. 
basically to say thank you for supporting us. But it also has shown to me what a weak president we have. I mean, the fact that President Biden through this whole thing has been like tiptoeing through the tulips. I mean, he really is. He has been just like soft peddling. First, he actually came out and publicly said, you know what? I don't want her to go, basically based on the Pentagon, that the Pentagon is against it. She should not be going. That shouldn't have come out. Why would you ever say that and undermine somebody? And now we're finding out in the last few hours that the White House was actually actively, privately trying to convince her not to go. So why is President Biden so scared of China? Why, when he's on the phone with the president of China, is he afraid to bring up the Wuhan lab? Is he afraid to bring up COVID? Uh, is it Hunter? What have they got on him? I mean, why are we seeing such a lackluster president? And it's so astounding because today you could even hear the White House's take. It was like, well, Nancy's separate. It's Congress. You would almost think that they were from another country, the way they were treating them. It was like it was up to her. She did it. She can do what she wants. She's independent. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Why are you afraid to back the Speaker of the House, who is a Democrat, and why are Republicans even so much more supportive of Nancy Pelosi than even this White House? What does China have on you, Mr. President? Why are you so tepid? Why are you so scared? I mean, to me, it is astounding to see an American president afraid to back his Democratic Speaker of the House, afraid to basically condemn China. And even today, it was almost like he barely knew who Nancy Pelosi was, the way they're talking at the White House. Like, oh, yeah, she kind of did her thing and we do our thing right. And now we're finding out that behind the scenes, they were actively trying to convince her not to go. So why is he so scared of China? Well, coming up, by the way, in about 10 minutes here on the show, we are going to talk to the best China expert out there for sure, Gordon Chang, and get Gordon's take on this trip. Because Gordon said that he also thought a lot of the comments coming from China, especially as word got out that she might go there, he said, we're very serious. And I remember asking him, you know, a couple days ago when he was here on the show, hey, what do you think of these very severe comments that they might shoot down her plane or they might do something in retaliation. And he said, you know, it may not just be words, that he actually thinks that they may do some sort of action, uh, whether it's now or later. So I'll be curious to hear what he thinks could happen. Could there be a repercussion now? Nobody knows China like Gordon Chang. And Gordon's going to be coming up again here on the show in about seven, eight minutes or so. So you definitely want to stay tuned to get his take because he knows his stuff. Meantime, Congressman Gallagher also saying, what the heck is up with our president? Why is he so scared of China? We are the leader of the free world. You better start acting like it, Mr. President, but not according to Mike Gallagher. I think it's fear. Uh, Quite simply, this administration seems to be afraid at every step of the way of provoking our adversaries. If If you've seen what's happened in Ukraine, they've consistently signaled that what we're not going to do out of fear of provoking 
Putin. The same thing I think is true here. We're so risk averse. We're afraid of provoking the Chinese Communist Party. We put ourselves in a, in a straitjacket, and it's constricted our ability to think creatively, to move aggressively. There's one other thing going on. Uh, there's a divide in the administration. There are those with a more realistic view of China that want to work with Republicans on the Hill to enhance our deterrent posture. Mm -hmm. And then there's a wing of the administration that believes climate change is our biggest overarching threat and therefore we need to have a more cooperative relationship with the communist party to combat climate change i believe that second camp is naive uh, and i believe they are responsible for a lot of the incoherence that we've seen on our overall grand strategy vis-a-vis -vis china wow so that's a lot to take in why is nancy pelosi brazen enough to go there and yet our president Seems like the way he's handled Ukraine, at least the beginning of Ukraine, certainly the way he handled Afghanistan. And now, again, this time, very, very soft peddling. No criticism of China. Even when he said, basically on the phone call, you know what? Uh, if you play with fire, you will get burned. Basically a threat almost to the president himself and to the country. And no reaction? I, I mean, his reaction has been so lackluster what do you think it is? And what message does it send to the rest of the world? And does it make Nancy Pelosi look like a much better leader than President Biden at this point? I never thought I'd say this, but yes. one 800 848 Let's go to Annette, line three. Annette, your thoughts about all this. Hi. You know what? I see something that's very obvious that nobody's even mentioned. I've been flipping back and forth on channels or whatever. Why is Nancy Pelosi going over? Why is she taking this time to go over? Her husband's trial is coming up. Remember that quote, fender bender, which is really more than a fender bender. It could be a felony on his part. And by the way, Annette, some details on that came out just in the last few hours that oh, showed, see? did you hear it? That uh, not only was he drinking, uh, according to the report, he was on some other substance other than drinking, and they wouldn't say what it was, and he was slurring. And showing a police card, apparently, like, you know, he got pulled over and was like, hey, I'm a friend of the police. I've done all these charities. And obviously the police said, well, doesn't matter. We're going to be defriend you right now, I guess. But but that's a good point. Annette, do you think that that's behind this, the timing, just to kind of look like she's a leader and maybe have that trial kind of be minimized? That's what I'm thinking. And I said, it's so obvious. Why does she want to be around if this is taking place now and then she'll be questioned and, you know, cornered into a spot and be, you know, not want to be there? So that was my thought. And I do have a second thought. It's not about this, but about President Trump. Can I express it? Yeah, real quick, if you could, real quick. I really think that Trump should be president and DeSantis or one of the other ones should be vice president simply because of the reason that every foreign power respects in their own way of respect and is afraid of Trump. And I think he's the only one that can pull that back together. The others are all good. They will make great presidents. We have a lot of Republicans that can step up to the plate. But he has that wild card that he can control or put the others, bend their knee to him and, and fear him. You and know that's what? Why. That's a great point, Annette, because right now we are seeing the effects of what a weak president who is not feared by other people, the results of it. And we've seen Afghanistan withdrawal, Taliban taking over. We've seen what happened over in Ukraine. And now we are seeing a very weak U.S. versus China. When we come back, we're going to get Gordon Chang's take. And I'm also going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. 
It's the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan today, despite big threats from China, and also President Biden's lack of support for her controversial visit. Joining us now is the great Asia expert. He's also the author of the book, The Coming Collapse of China, a really fantastic book, Gordon Chang. And by the way, Gordon's Twitter is Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, great to have you here. Thank you so much, Rita. What did you make of her actually landing in Taiwan? What did you think of it? This is a great day for the United States of America. Nancy Pelosi showed that she was not going to be intimidated by threats on her life by a militant Chinese regime. And it's really unfortunate that she has not received the support of the Biden administration. But they, nonetheless, um, you know, the speaker has said, um, with or without the support of the president, She's going to represent America, and the people of Taiwan are ecstatic. Yeah, it's amazing. You see all over the buildings there, what's this, the tallest tower. Thank you in big letters, you know, to her. She got a huge welcome. Don't you think she also had to go, especially as soon as it leaked out? She certainly had to go, because if she didn't go, um, she would have legitimized the worst elements in the Chinese political system by showing everybody else in Beijing that intimidation threats against the United States work. Now Beijing is on the back foot. I'm I'm sure they're going to retaliate in some way, but they are going to lash out, and uh, people around the world and people in China are not going to be particularly impressed. Why do you think there is such a different sentiment to China? Do you think it's tied to Wuhan Lab? Do you think it's tied to some of the hacking, the intellectual property? I mean, there's so many things, but what do you attribute sort of the sentiment to? That's a question that I wish I had the answer to, Rita. And the reason is China's been engaging in very dangerous, provocative, malign activity for decades. And and it had very little effect on the American views on China. But all of a sudden, uh, it just clicked in the heads of Americans. And so I think that's sort of the tipping point. Um, but China did a number of things recently that I think people realize that uh, we can't continue with the policies we have. And I think probably COVID-19 and fentanyl, if you had to put your finger on two of them, have really hit the emotional buttons of Americans. Because we're talking about the lives of more than a million Americans have been taken by a Chinese regime. And it's not like it was unintentional. This was these were intentional takings of American lives. In other words, this was murder. You know, and yet, as you talk about how many lives were taken in America and beyond, yet it seems like every time our current president is on the phone with President Xi, he doesn't seem to address COVID, hasn't brought up Wuhan lab. And even in this case, he was really tiptoeing. He almost made it sound like Nancy Pelosi is is on another planet. He doesn't have anything to do with her. They're in the same party. She's the leader, of course, of the House, uh, you know, from the Democratic side. She's the speaker. He almost made it sound like, uh, I don't really know what's going on. He seemed very, very tepid. Well, very, very tepid. And uh, according to reports, which I believe are credible, he tried to prevent her from going. Um, you know, Biden um, barely has a pulse. Uh, on Thursday, when he had his phone call with Xi Jinping, uh, the Chinese immediately came out with their readout. And if their readout is correct, Americans have got to question Biden's leadership because the Chinese said 
basically that they had threatened the life of the American president. And yet Biden's readout talks about the need to deepen cooperation and to work with the Chinese where we agree. Uh, the mix match is just stunning. And I think Americans understand that we need someone who's going to protect us. You know, if Biden um, were of a frame of mind, he would have immediately hung up the phone after the Chinese uh, said that they were going to kill him. Because that's effectively what they said when they said, look, those who play with fire will perish. Um, and clearly they intended um, harm to the United States. Yeah, it was stunning when we saw that readout and everybody were talking to the great China expert, Gordon Chang. Gordon, I want to ask you, too, as you mentioned, there will be some retaliation, some response from China. We're hearing they're going to do live fire exercises starting August 4th, right after Pelosi leaves. What kind of response do you think we might see now from them? They, they already have been responding with a lot of rhetoric in the last 24 hours. There are a number of things that they could do after the speaker leaves. So, for instance, they could fly cruise missiles low over Taiwan territory. Um, they could take a plane and, and actually cross one of their islands, which they had did actually on February 5. Um, but they could take an armada uh, and just um, fly right over Taipei. There, there are a number of very provocative things that they could do. But um, we're just going to have to wait, and the United States is going to have to be prepared to respond as well, because this is not just a question of Taiwan. This is a question of free countries, free societies working with each other. Are you confident that this president can handle what is obviously going to be a very sensitive, bumpy road after the, this visit? But it's also been tenuous, the relationship with U.S. and China. But this is a really tough, sensitive time. Yeah, well, the one-word answer, whether I'm confident about whether President Biden can handle this, my one-word answer is no. And how do you think that? Why do you think he's not capable? A lot of people are concerned. Why Why do you feel that way? Um, he uh, has adopted a view about engagement of China, about how it's in America's interest to support the Communist Party of China. That view is outdated. It's manifestly wrong. And he's continued to cling to it. He sees that uh, cooperation with China is essential for the United States. That's not true. It can't be true after China deliberately spread coronavirus beyond its borders. That's uh, more than a million American lives. It can't be true because China's been backing the fentanyl gangs. That's basically 100,000 American lives a year. Um, these are murders. And, um, you know, Biden just doesn't see it. So, um, I think that he is just caught in a very old view of China. He's not looking at the facts. He doesn't want to defend us. Um, so even if one were to just ignore the Hunter Biden um, points, um, this is a president who has a manifestly incorrect view of the Chinese communist regime. And boy, is that a scary statement, given all the dynamics going on right now. Well, you know it better than anybody. Gordon Chang, thank you so much for being here on such an important day. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Rita, because I really appreciate it. Very interesting. So what are your thoughts as we are seeing now Nancy Pelosi there? And as I mentioned just now to Gordon, it's incredible because they're planning military exercises, military drills August 4th, just right after she leaves. What kind of military exercises? Because air raid sirens were blaring all over Taiwan. How serious? And what does it mean when you hear military exercises from the Chinese? That's kind of a scary, scary thought.
Uh, let's go to Michael real quick, line six. Michael, real quick, your thoughts. This is my thoughts. President Shane is not a man of his word. He said he was going to shoot her down, and he didn't do it. How dare he goes out in public and says he's going to do something, and he doesn't do it? He just proves that he's just a paper tiger. I mean, it's okay that Pelosi went to Taiwan to show support for those good people and give a big middle finger to President Jing. But, you know, President Jing really made a big mistake in coming out public and saying he was going to take out her plane and his, and the two pilots that escort his her plane to uh, wherever she goes in the world, and he didn't follow through. That's an interesting point, because you're right. He made the threats. Thank goodness he didn't follow through, obviously, um, because that would have been horrible. But you're right. Maybe he is more bluster than bite. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents... And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a beautiful story about man and man's best friend coming from New York City, where an adorable pooch who was rescued from a parked car on a very hot June day has now been adopted by one of the NYPD officers who came to its rescue The NYPD tweeted out, this is the 19th precinct of the NYPD, about their rescue of a dog that had been locked inside a car for over two hours. They said in the tweet that the cops responded, discovering the car off, the windows shut, and a very distressed dog. You can imagine, especially as hot as it's been around the country recently, including in New York. So they broke the window, they got the pup out, and they sent it off to a vet for care. Now, the tweet also included a video of the cops cracking open the window to the vehicle, freeing the four-legged fluff ball and providing it with water and dog treats. But the story didn't end with the dog's rescue. Uh, said just recently that a month ago, the sweet dog was rescued after its owner left him in a hot lock car for hours. And they just mentioned just a few days ago that one of its rescuers, Officer Maharaj, adopted him. And they said a big thank you to the ASPCA for taking such good care of the lucky pup. And how beautiful that one of the officers who saved this cute little pup now can say he is the owner of the dog and literally saved his life. Bravo to the NYPD and, of course, all of our great men and women in law enforcement. We love you and we appreciate you. And I also love every night here on the Rita Cosby Show doing stories which honor our great law enforcement. Well, we're talking about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. It normally isn't a huge, huge deal when a member of Congress goes, but it became an enormous controversy this time. And there's no doubt about it because so much of what happened in this particular case is because Nancy Pelosi basically, you know, was thrown you know, thrown uh, just all over the place because it got leaked out that President Biden and other people were unhappy about it. So then reporters asked President Biden, and he, of course, has no filter. He just says whatever he's thinking on his mind when he was asked about it. He's like, uh, well, the Pentagon doesn't want her to go. And the minute he said that, it really set things up not in a good way whatsoever for her. And luckily, I'm glad, listen, she got there safely. It sounds like she's going to hopefully have a very safe trip those and others that are there. I think it's great that she was there. By the way, she was there. I just saw recently. This is pretty amazing, and I didn't know this until today. She was there during Tiananmen Square. 
she actually, in 1991, she was standing there with a banner, a big banner, right there in Tiananmen Square, talking about supporting the dissidents and all those others. So that's great. Good for her, you know. Good for her for at least, in those cases, being consistent. We'll get to her husband's deals with the semiconductors and all that in a moment. And there's a lot there, needless to say. But I think it's great that she did it. But I think it's horrible, absolutely horrible, that President Biden tipped this off. And to me, the fact that he and others showed that there was dissent within the government, to me, that is absolutely terrible. And now we all have to wonder, what is going to happen next? Take a listen. This is Senator Tom Cotton, who's saying that, you know what? We need to take a tough stand. This is Cut 26. I do expect that the Chinese communists will take more aggressive action towards Taiwan because they have been taking aggressive action towards Taiwan. They've been uh, entering Taiwanese uh, airspace uh, for months and months to degrade Taiwan's air force or to test its reactions. Um, They've taken these provocative actions in part because they think they can get away with it. What it's well past time to do is for the United States to make clear that we will support Taiwan if the Chinese communists go for the jugular. If they try to invade and annex Taiwan, we will support them, and we will do so militarily. The reason we do that is not because we want to have a war. The reason to do that up front is because it takes strength and resolution and clarity to prevent a war from happening in the first place. And Senator John Kennedy, I love this guy of Louisiana, the great philosopher, Senator John Kennedy, who always is like plain talking. He's great. He said Nancy Pelosi had no choice and that the administration literally put her in a box. Take a listen. Uh, She talked to the White House and some knucklehead, either on Speaker Pelosi's staff or the White House, leaked it. And on top of that, President Biden spoke publicly about it and said, oh, well, maybe she shouldn't go. Well, at that juncture, she had to go. Because weakness or the appearance of weakness invites the wolves. Um, So I'm glad the speaker went. But if she really wanted to to demonstrate strength from the United States of America, she would have made it a bipartisan trip. She would have brought Kevin McCarthy along. She would have brought the secretary of defense along. But no, it's her. It's the Speaker Pelosi show. And he further said that he thinks this was about grandstanding for her. And I liked Annette, who just called a little bit ago, who said that she thinks it's a deflection for her husband's drunk driving trial. And now it turns out there may have been more than booze in his system. We'll get to that, too. But this is what Senator Kennedy said, that this is now the Nancy Pelosi show. This this entire exercise began with Speaker Pelosi's ego. Now, when you're talking about a nuclear war with China, you should take your ego out back and shoot it. But that's not Speaker Pelosi's way. She knows after the midterms, she's not going to be Speaker anymore. She may not be in Congress anymore. So I think she thought up this trip as a way to say, well, look at me one more time. Wow, you put your ego in the back and shoot it. Sounds like something I would have heard when I went to college, University of South Carolina. <laughs> Louisiana's not that far. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. I love Senator Kennedy. He always says it like it says. It's like, 
Just cuts to the chase and just has these great, great phrases. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line seven. BJ, your thoughts about the fact she went uh, so far, thank goodness, China hasn't done anything, but they're vowing basically that they may do something very soon. Well, it appears to me that our foreign policy on on uh, uh, thank you for having me on, by the way, Rita. Always love having you on, BJ. Always. Uh, you're the best. Uh, it appears to me we, we we needed to speak with one voice. We had several voices. Uh, uh, Senator Kennedy was right. She it, it became the Nancy Pelosi show. Now the Chinese government will have to send us a message back. And uh, we wonder, you know, they don't you know, they'll take a lot of stuff from Donald Trump because they know he's a man of structure and consequence. But uh, uh, the the Bidens, no, they're not going to take this. They don't like having their nose rubbed in it publicly. And uh, only, you know, there's there's a whole myriad of of uh, postural things that they can take. Uh, And the question remains is, what will we do now? Uh, uh, this becomes the Nancy Pelosi show, and it's great that she decided. Uh, I don't. I also don't believe any head of state, American head of state, should be bullied. You can't have this uh, go on. Uh, uh, but at the same time, for years we've let China build islands in the South Sea, come in and set up these Confucius society in our countries. They are at an ide- ideological bio chemical and economic war with us, a war we've the type we've never seen. So who's are we playing checkers and they're playing five-dimensional chess? I mean, you tell me. Uh, No, that's uh, by the way, BJ, that's a great point because they clearly um, are thinking so far ahead of us. And the issue is also we have a president who just seems so unbelievably docile you know, doesn't want to admit that they're playing sophisticated checkers or sophisticated chess, as you so eloquently said. You know, we have a president who just who won't even ask him about Wuhan. I mean, it, it's an unbelievable to me as I as I was thinking about this moment today so much. I was sitting there thinking, OK, when Trump was in office, it was China, China, China. And remember, like even Biden was kind of mocking him like, oh, you know, China, you know what I mean? You know, and now here we are at this moment. You know, and also remember when he brought up Russia, people were mocking him about Russia, you know, Russia being a big issue. I mean, it's like it's like here we are where we have a president who clearly is not taking the threat seriously and clearly is not even doesn't even have the the confidence or doesn't even is walking on such eggshells that he won't even ask about something that killed a million Americans, and could there be a tie there? You don't have to blatantly accuse them. I would, but that's a whole other matter. But if he's on the phone, he should have at least said, you know, uh, can we at least get access there? I'm demanding access. And so he has not been not only getting the answers for Americans, he's not even helping to get answers for the world. How many millions of people around the world? I mean, is there anything worse than a virus that killed so many Americans and you don't even have the guts to ask him about it and demand that inspectors go into that lab just to get answers? You you know, even if he says it in a nice way, like, "Okay, we're going to try to clear it for you, clear the air for you. There's a nice way you can always say it. But we're demanding that we get access And he's not even saying that. He won't even bring it up. What does he say? The first thing he talks to him about, uh, he talks about green energy with him. When I first heard that, my eyes rolled back in my head. Are you kidding me? We have a country that is saying that they want to dominate America. 
that they want to take on America as the superpower of the world. They're threatening basically the life of our president. They're threatening the life of our Speaker of the House. Our president isn't saying anything, and he's just docile and rolling over. That's embarrassing. I mean, and and it sends a message to the rest of the world that we have a weak leader, and that's what I'm scared of. And and In fact, BJ, I want to hear, I want to get your reaction to this. This is John Kirby, because he was sort of, you know, he's in the National Security Council, used to be Pentagon spokesperson. And so John today is in the White House briefing, and he's asked by a reporter about the, you know, about Pelosi going. How does the White House feel? Because we know the White House didn't want her to go and made that very public, totally undermining her, totally making us look like we don't have uh, cohesion in our government, which is embarrassing. But just listen to the way Kirby even answered this. And then about President Biden, does he oh, look, I, I've said I said this yesterday. The, the, the president, as a former senator, uh, fully respects uh, the right and the prerogative, frankly, the responsibility of members of Congress to include the Speaker of the House to travel overseas. That's a different question, or that's a different response. And does he support her going? He respects the Speaker's decision to travel to Taiwan. He respects her decision, but he doesn't back her decision, and he doesn't think it's a good idea, and he's even vocalized that. I mean, how much is that undermining not just her, but our perception, I think, around the world with other leaders, BJ? Well, no, it it sounds to me that, unfortunately, today you have people in – in government and in in state uh, gov- uh, uh, the State Department, all these guys, they don't tell you what they really know to be true. They're worried about their pensions and they're worrying about being fired rather than worrying about saying, we need to speak with one voice. And he gave several answers that were totally inconsistent. And that was total it was total uh, 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 placating that reporter. This is what happens. There's no there's no point to having a press corps go to the Biden administration anymore because they get silly answers and double talk and double speak. Um, you know, and they and they accept it, BJ. That's the sad yeah, thing, too, because, exactly. you know, I expect a president to give you gobbledygook or whatever. But your job as a reporter is to say you know, that didn't make sense or you didn't answer the question. And they're, they're afraid of the follow-up. Most of them are, at least. Do you remember that older journalist? Uh, she was there for years, uh, uh, used to ask uh, Bush 43 the question. Helen Thomas. Yes, yes, Helen Thomas. She would stand there and they'd all be sitting down and she would stand up and she would not sit down until she got the answer that was to the question. We don't have any Helen Thomases anymore. Yeah, we, we need. Some, you're right. We need some more. We need some more. BJ, thank you. You are awesome. By the way, Helen Thomas, true story. When I was covering the White House, I remember I arrived one day at like 530 in the morning, and I remember seeing the Secret Service guys, and I'm like, uh, I bet I'm the first one here today or whatever. I think it was like 5 or 515. That was still dark out. And they're like, uh-uh, Helen Thomas is already here. And I'm like, she's here. You know, and I was like a cub, needless to say, compared to her and compared to anybody, I think, at that point. And they said, no, Helen Thomas gets here every day. I think she got there every day somewhere between like 445 and 5 o'clock. And she would bring them coffee. She brought the Secret Service guys coffee. And some days they gave her coffee, but they said there was never a day that either she didn't give it to them or they didn't give it to her. But she was literally usually always the first one there. Uh, so I was just deeply impressed, Helen, and I was I was jealous because 
I only got coffee a few times from the Secret Service, but she used to get it, I think, almost all the time. But she was very good at what she did. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil. Line one. Phil, your thoughts about Pelosi in Taiwan and our president just kind of tiptoeing. I describe it tiptoeing through the tulips. Uh, good evening, Rita. Listen, uh, I, I've been doing some thinking about this. What's very interesting is that Pelosi is just a pawn in the game. China's threat to her would never happen. It would never materialize. It was a threat to the United States to say, we're going to kill the Speaker of your house if she lands here. What are you going to do about it? Well, they mobilized the Pacific West Fleet, and a couple of aircraft went up in the air as well. So they've got that to contend with. It was a test. The Chinese are very clever. Remember, they had the art of war over 2,500 years ago, Lao Tse. So do do you think they were trying to just see what reaction, like how do we react? Is that where you're thinking, like strategically? Oh, absolutely, beyond a question of a doubt. I got news for you. My my mind has been running on this, and I think that she's going to try to get all the Pacific uh, Western Pacific countries like Japan and South Korea and so on to come up with a plan where they do like a kind of a, a settlement with the Chinese. And they say, look, if you want to take over the country, you want to take over that part, you got to stay away from us. We'll let you do that. We won't oppose you. How's that? You just stay away from us. This is my fear that she's brokering a deal. Yeah, you don't she's trust her. In other words, you do no, not trust well, I, that there's I, sincerity there. I would trust I would trust Joseph Stalin more, 100% more, if he came back from the dead than her. Yeah, that's right. At least Stalin was pretty clear where he stood on most things. He knew where he stood. You're right. <laughs> Scarily, that's a scary comparison. Wow. Phil, thank you. I always love your calls. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. You just heard Phil say he would trust Stalin more. Then Nancy Pelosi, what do you think, everybody? And what do you think were her objectives going over there? And why, first off, is our president just so wimpy when it comes to China and also so wimpy in his support? He wasn't even supporting Nancy Pelosi. The Republicans were saying nicer things and supporting Pelosi and her courage to go there. Meanwhile, our president's like cowering in his basement. What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about Nancy Pelosi landing in Taiwan. And it's a big deal. She is the first House Speaker to land there uh, since 25 years ago with Newt Gingrich. So it's a really, really big deal. But became even bigger deal because somehow it got leaked out. And everybody's wondering, did it come from the White House? Did it come from Pelosi's camp? Is there a reason why It became such a big public controversial issue. And now we're finding out in the last little bit that Biden and the White House was trying not to get her to go, period. Did not want her to go. So what are your thoughts about why that was and why they seem to have made it so public? 
1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Stan on line seven. Stan, your thoughts about this. The last caller is out of touch. With, yeah, she's not there to do anything, just to visit and show the face of the United States. Let's get something understood here. She had a right to go. She could go. Uh, the president asked her not to go or please, we, there's more important. So she went anyway and that's it and so forth. That's fine. But she, she isn't negotiating anything. She ain't making any deals for anything. She has no business nor any right to. All right. That's hang on. Wait, wait, hang on, Sam. Hey, I'm, I'm hang, glad she went. Yeah. By the way, by the way, I agree I'm with you. I think. About it. No, no, no. And I think she had to go, especially that when it got leaked out that she went. I'm glad she went, too. I thought it was a good thing. Absolutely. I agree with you there, my friend. Um, the one thing, too, first off. The husband has been doing these deals. And what a coincidence that she's meeting with the head of a big semiconductor company. And the husband somehow just invested in semiconductors, especially those coming from Taiwan. What an interesting coincidence. So maybe, Boy, wait a minute. Maybe surprise, the, surprise, maybe surprise. The wait a minute. Maybe the president was right to tell her not to. Maybe he knew about that or didn't say anything to do embarrass. But here's the point. I'm not, I understood the husband was arrested for drunken driving. That's another story altogether. Yeah, no, did you hear that? Yeah, by the way, I the mean, husband. I, I just heard about it. I didn't know Yeah, about it. and Stan, the new news that just came out on that was apparently it wasn't just booze. There's some story. There's a number of reports that came out that say, according to the police report, he was on obviously drinking. He was slurring. Uh, he was leaving a party. She wasn't around. You know, maybe it was like, hey, Nancy's gone. Let me have a drink. Sometimes you can't blame him on that one, right? Um, and also, apparently he was on something else. They didn't say what it is other than booze. So go ahead, Stan. Could it have been a diversion? I don't know. I, I don't I, Look, look, if, if, if she had already planned to go, she, had to, she went and that's it. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, nothing has been accomplished other than that. Uh, the president, I know what he's doing. He's watching the Chinese. He doesn't want them to turn to the Russians, especially with the situation. They're already Ukraine. turned to the Russians, Stan. Oh, now they will be. big now time. they will be. Oh, Stan. Now they will be. Well, see, sure. I think your point, what you just said, I think, first off, they are already in bed with the Russians. They've been in bed with the Russians for decades. That's one. They're buying also oil. They've been buying Russian oil, knowing that nobody else in the world wants to do it. So they're buying it. Uh, so they are already in bed with the Russians. But I think here's what I think, Stan. I think part of it is that they want to use this in a bit of a pretext to be able to now take some more aggressive action, whether it's with Ukraine, specifically, I think, with Taiwan and with some of these other things. They sense a weak American president and they sense an opportunity. And maybe this they can use as a pretext, even though it's not the reason to do it. You and I agree on that. But I think they may try to use it for such. So go ahead, Stan. I'll give you the last word, my friend. Okay, Rita, Since you're buying dinner, go ahead. Rita, the Taiwanese, which nobody knows, have ballistic missiles, have missiles, and will use them in the last resort if they're invaded. They're not just sitting there dummy looking around. So the United States, it will be there for Taiwan. So the president is right. But he's looking long term. He doesn't want the Chinese to do more with the Russians. You're right about the oil, but we got to keep them separate to some extent. Well, yeah, although this president seems to be like, uh, 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 what else do you want, China? What else do you want? Feisty, fearless, and fair. 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist. From the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, this is The Rita Cosby Show. And just in, because some polls are closing, some have already closed in some major primary races around the country. Just a few highlights to give you here on the Rita Cosby. And again, if any other big results come in, we will share them with you. Uh, In the Missouri Senate race, the current Attorney General, GOP Attorney General Eric Schmidt, has won the GOP nomination for U.S. Senate there in Missouri, the big primary tonight. He is a Trump-backed candidate. Trump backed the Eric in the race. There were two Erics, and there were a lot of other candidates, so he literally backed the two Erics in the race, including this one, and this one handily won Eric Schmidt. Now we'll go up against the Democrat there in that race in the general election in November. Um, In Michigan, um, for the GOP governor's primary, Tudor Dixon, who's also a Trump-backed candidate, uh, she won the Republican primary there for governor. Uh, She's a businesswoman, a cancer survivor, a mom, and she will now take on Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. You know that name well in Michigan. So it will be Tudor Dixon against Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, We're waiting to see what happens in Arizona. Um, Democrat Senator Mark Kelly handily won his primary. His challenge wasn't really a big one in his race. Uh, But we're waiting to see what happens on the GOP side because polls have literally just closed there. And as soon as we get details on that um, and also other key races across the country, the other biggie, uh, which a lot of people were watching, was in Kansas tonight. And that was actually something that was on the ballot uh, basically was to overturn uh, the state uh, constitution there, essentially, which at this point uh, said there is a right to an abortion. And there was something on the ballot which would have overturned that, send it back to the state legislature for them to vote. That would have been the first one, really, a test of abortion rights since Roe v. Wade, since the Dobbs case was overturned in the Supreme Court. Interesting result here because Kansas is a conservative state. And so far, the latest numbers, but handily showing uh, that this overturn effort did not work. So the right to abortion will be maintained in the Kansas state constitution. Uh, The ballot that would have changed it, no, shot down by 63 percent. Yes, 37 percent. So in other words, it's status quo. And that means that the right to abortion has been maintained in the state of Kansas, uh, which is interesting because that is a conservative state. But overwhelmingly, people voted to keep it as an option. So very, very interesting. We'll keep you posted again as big results come in because it's another big election night here on the Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, we are talking about crime because crime is an enormous issue. And in so many races that we're seeing around the country, that and inflation And a number of other things really are like top of the list in terms of priorities. It's not green energy, guys. It's not climate change. That's like 1%. Even with Democrats, there was a poll of Democrats. Do you put climate change as your biggest priority? This is Democrats said 1%. 1%. 
one, they are like totally like, you know, trying to appease to this narrow, narrow, narrow AOC Rashida Tlaib base. It, it's, it's amazing. Just the slim, slim numbers. But yet when Biden talks to China, oh, I'm talking about climate change. Don't worry about the Sixth Fleet or anything like that. Let's talk about uh, windmills. I'm sure she is like, this guy is loony when he hangs up the phone. But regardless, crime is a huge, huge issue. It's undisputable. And my favorite case of late, and it saddens me because it's a sign of the times, that there has been a case that just happened just recently in Norco, California. And... You see this elderly liquor store owner, and you see it on the videotape. Um, It's 3 in the morning, and it's at the Norco Market and Liquor, Clark Avenue in Norco, California. And suddenly four suspects in a black BMW SUV pull up, and they attempt to rob the establishment. The guy who is doing sort of the, the main robbery, if you will, is wearing a ski mask. And he's armed with a rifle. There's no gray here. He's armed with a rifle. You know what happened, sadly, uh, with the Alba case where people are just feeling, a lot of workers are just feeling like they have no protection whatsoever. This guy shows up with a rifle and he's in his 20s. And this 80-year-old store clerk, he's telling him, put your hands up in the air. He's the owner of the store. And this store owner instead reaches for his shotgun concealed under the store counter and not wasting a single second before blasting the suspect's arm. And the suspect ran out, as did everybody else. Even the guys in the getaway car were like, this guy's nuts. We got to get out of here. Take a listen, because you can hear right now, this is the suspect after he has been shot by the store owner, which totally took him by surprise. He says, oh, he shot my arm off. Take a listen. Oh, he shot my arm off. You know, I don't like to laugh about someone being injured, but my goodness, payback is a blank. You know, I mean, in this case, this is unbelievable. Here this guy goes in and he's all big and bad and he's in his ski mask planning to, you know, who knows if he was going to kill the guy or what he was going to do. It was an armed robbery. There's no question about it. He had his rifle, and the other guys were armed too. And he, like, ran out like he's crying to mommy on the way out. Thank goodness. And maybe it sent a message to people to be scared of robbing stores again. Maybe that'll teach him a lesson that the judicial system doesn't seem to be teaching him. Well, needless to say, the other workers and customers at that liquor store This is how they describe now the owner. Take a listen. I've seen him a couple of times while I've been here, and honestly, I can kind of expect that from him. He seems like a pretty bad old man. (laughs) Like a bad blank old man. Oh, my God. And then there's an even better name by another customer. Take a listen. Quick Draw McGraw. That's his name for me now. (laughs) Quick Draw McGraw. Look at him. He is taking back security in his store and how sad i mean i do think it is a sad testament of the time that owners and employees have to be armed or at least feel they have to be armed in many of these stores because the crime is so bad but i think it's great that he actually took action and i'm happy to hear also that so far from all the different reports my first thought was oh gosh if it happened in new york alvin bragg would charge the guy 
Doesn't matter if everybody's armed. He'd throw the guy in Rikers, and the guy who's with his arm, he'd like, you know, say, oh, I'm so, so sorry. You know? I mean, so the good news is it happened in Norco, California. And so far, from what we've heard, at least the Riverside County deputies did not charge him. They issued a statement regarding the incident saying, in this case, a lawfully armed member of our community prevented a violent crime and ensured their own safety while being confronted with multiple armed suspects. Sadly, by the way, the owner had a heart attack. He said to be okay, thank goodness, but it was scary for him. I mean, even though we obviously reacted quickly, it was scary for him. But can you imagine, I hate to say it, if it happened in another location, happened under Manhattan or some other places, who knows what would have happened. And the store, uh, all the customers and everybody else, they are cheering this guy on, this guy who was courageous enough to fight back. Take a listen. You know, I'm not for gun violence, but uh, it, he wasn't the one getting it. He wasn't the one doing the violence. The people that came in were the ones doing the violence. And that's what we need to understand in our society. When people are doing violence against us, we have the right to protect ourselves. Yeah, and just like, remember what happened with Alvin Bragg? It all depends what the DA is. And now, case in point, George Soros, who is funding so many of these DAs across the country. This guy, I think, has been one of the biggest menaces to society ever. Uh, he has spent a million dollars on Alvin Bragg's race. Remember, help get him elected because big money like that in a race like a Manhattan DA's race makes a big difference. He also was funding the guy who got the boot in San Francisco, Chesa Boudin. He was funding Philly. He was funding George Gascone, who hopefully will get the boot soon. They're literally counting to see if they have enough numbers for the recall vote there. I was talking with somebody earlier today about that. Um, so in the middle of all this, George Soros and his money has been so destructive, unbelievably destructive to, I think, American law and order. And this is Kennedy, the host on Fox News, talking about his policies and the soft on crime DAs and the effect that they have had on America. Take a listen. This is how society completely crumbles because they take violent horrible people who mean to do bad things and harm others, and they let them out so they can reoffend and hurt more people and make more victims, and then they take actual victims like Jose Alba and they throw them in Rikers, even though that decision was rightly reversed. They are setting back the criminal justice reform movement by decades, and shame on them. And shame on George Soros for funding these races that kind of go under the radar. And then you go, oh, my God, look who got voted and uh, look who's behind him. And meantime, left-wing billionaire George Soros, who's 91 years old, by the way, uh, it turns out he's writing an op-ed. He wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal where he basically said that these policies of these, quote, reform-minded prosecutors, that it's working I'm like, what planet are you on defending what he is doing, saying that reform-minded prosecutors and other law enforcement officials around the country have been coalescing around an agenda that promises to be more effective and just than the status quo justice system. And he said the decriminalization of poverty and a host of other left-wing initiatives represents a superior alternative to tough-on-crime policies. Has he talked to a law enforcement person? Has he talked to a victim of crime? 
this to me is so out of touch. And he even argued that even though there are increases in crime rates, of course, there are George Soros, New York City, 37 percent, many cities even higher than that. The short term, quote, does not necessarily invalidate the long term goals. In other words, don't worry about it if crime is skyrocketing, because maybe in a hundred years we'll see the impact of these policies. That's what he's thinking. I, I mean, this is just sheer insanity. And take a listen to how Fox host Greg Gutfeld described it. Maybe it's not about blue or red cities at all, right? It's about the policies that enable crime. So I'm happy to see crime as a problem in all cities and in all states, blue or red. But that's not even where Soros will meet you. He's saying crime is not a problem. That's the scary part because he's not living it. He's not there. We talk about the immigration, bringing it to D.C.'s doorstep and making them see what it's like to be a real sanctuary city. There is no most of the people that are espousing these reforms aren't actually feeling the consequences. And I go back to I said on my show, uh, I don't know, a couple of days ago. We got to start building halfway houses next to the people that are for these types of reform. Let them feel the consequences, okay? That's a good solution. Yeah, let them feel the consequences. Not that you want somebody to uh, be dealing with it, but why don't you put all the guys that you're thinking about clearing out of Rikers, why don't you put them right next to George Soros and see how happy he is? It's just like, who's at Muriel Bowser in D.C.? Oh, we want immigrants, we want immigrants, and then suddenly they show up in her shelters and she's realizing she's being overrun, and now she's, you know, crying for the National Guard. You know, it's like, it sounds good, but then when they're in your system and you're living it, maybe it isn't so pretty. Let's go to your calls, everybody, real quick. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, LQ, real quick, on line seven. Oh, God bless you, Rita. It reminds me of the part um, in the movie uh, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. His partner got killed, so the, um, he comes into the, you know, to the bar, the bar where everybody is Gene Hackman, and he shoots it, the um, the bar owner. And the bar owner said, "Why don't you shoot me?" And he said, "Well, you're the owner of the of the bar. Uh, it's it's very bad. Even years ago, that that Staten, Staten Island very sorry, uh, a man was." Uh, with a sword, stabbing people and everything with a sword. And then a, a, a retired police officer pulls out his gun, and then he stops immediately. Yeah, it, you know, it is. A, you know, by the way, you're right about the, the uh, especially the Clint Eastwood analogy. That's a great one because you're right. That's like something like, and the fact that he was quick enough because the guy had a rifle. Um, I mean, it's kind of scary. You don't know. I mean, you really have to react quickly. And he actually got him. And what did you like of the fact that the guy was like whimpering away, like he's all big and bad going in with a ski mask ready to attack the guy and who knows what else he was going to do other than rob him. What's, you know, I mean, a lot of times they rob somebody and then they shoot him. I mean, it's it's really scary. Um, and then he cr- runs away like he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, wa- I want to play this LQ because this could be like a Clint Eastwood movie. But here, here he is running away about his arm being shot off. Yeah, that's like uh, Clint Eastwood shot me, right, LQ? <laughs> yeah, with a group of people, too, with guns, not by himself. 
Yeah, absolutely. He he was ready to take them all on, and they ran away. The minute they saw that he was fighting back, they ran away. LQ, thanks. Always love hearing from you. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Concrete. Well, the owner of the store could have ended up in the concrete, but no, he pulled out a gun and he got the would-be attacker who was armed with a rifle. And it scared off not just the would-be attacker who thought he was so big and bad, but also the other guys who were also armed waiting in the car and others who were coming in the store. And it is a good sign that the good guy won here, but what a sad testament that he felt he had to protect himself. Crime is so bad around the country. We see it in all major cities across the country, this latest case in California. And much of it, I believe, is this revolving door created by people that are tied to George Soros, who is backing them big time, a 91-year-old billionaire who, in an op-ed that was published today, said, you know what, I am going to keep backing these people because I believe in this philosophy. He's not changing his ways. You see the skyrocketing crime rates around the country. Everybody sees it. He even agreed that, yes, there are increases in crime rates, but it's basically short-term pain, and there will be a long-term gain with these reform-minded prosecutors. What the heck is he talking about, giving victims a pass and that that's a good long-term project? For who? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Philly. Robert, your thoughts about this? Good to talk to you again, Rita. And I'll get rid of my spiel about Nancy Pelosi and the Chinese mutually mutually scripted dog and pony show for another night. Um, Mr. Soros is the embodiment of evil. His whole history is about it. He's been kicked out of countries for economic subversion and currency manipulation. He is all about the destruction of the United States, and he's the Democratic sugar daddy, okay? Now, I mean, not now, but also his grandson is married to Adam Schiff's daughter. That's right. So it's become a family thing now, you know? And he's personification of evil. And I just want to tell you, I think China will benefit from what happened today if the Democrats manage to use it to win the election. And I'll leave it at that, and you have a great night. All right. Look, a lot of good thoughts in there, Robert. Thanks so much. Let's go to Marianne in Queens. Marianne, your thoughts? Hi, Nita. How are you? I'm good, but I am frustrated that Soros doesn't want to admit that his spending that have risen these soft-on-crime DAs across the country— that it's hurting society. He, he's, he's saying, yeah, maybe crime's up, but don't worry about it. There, there's a greater good. Well, I believe that this is horrible. Now, we got to remember one thing. Big Sky agenda is a socialist, anarchist agenda that he's bringing not only to the United States, but the whole world. Mao Zedong say that in order for the 
United States be destroyed. They had to destroy them from the inside, taking hold of one of the parties and the other one. How sad is that? You know, Marianne, how sad is that? You know, that you're right, because he is causing a lot of internal destruction. I mean, he was supporting a lot of the Black Lives Matter groups, these protesters that were looting and very much a part of the soft on crime DAs, like on all different directions. And you wonder, what is his objective? Why would he want to do this? We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break and also talk about Willowbrook 50 years later. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a 97-year-old former U.S. Navy seaman veteran, Stephen Nemeth, was awarded the Legion of Honor, which is France's highest recognition for his contribution in liberating France during World War II. And he received the honor at a ceremony at the American Legion Post in Kissimmee, Florida, a beautiful place. Nemeth's actions helped Allied forces secure victory and ultimately peace. France's highest merit, the Legion of Honor, was created by Napoleon Bonaparte back in 1802 and is awarded to French citizens and foreign nationals who have demonstrated exemplary service to the French Republic, either in civil or military pursuits. Now, other Americans who have received this very prestigious honor have included former President Dwight D. Eisenhower and also General Douglas MacArthur. And meantime, here on the Rita Cosby Show, who could forget when decades ago the horrible conditions that children with disabilities were experiencing at Willowbrook State School were exposed to the world by caring and courageous parents and also Fox host Geraldo Rivera. Here is some of his coverage all the way back from 1972. I first heard of this big place with the pretty sounding name because of a call I received from a member of the Willowbrook staff, Dr. Michael Wilkins. The doctor told me he'd just been fired because he'd been urging parents with children in one of the buildings, building number six, to organize so they could more effectively demand improved conditions for their children. The doctor invited me to see the conditions he was talking about, so unannounced and unexpected by the school administration, we toured building number six. The doctor had warned me that it would be bad. It was horrible. The Willowbrook Wars continue today, and our next guest, along with Geraldo Rivera, blew the lid off what was happening at the Willowbrook State School for Children with Disabilities in Staten Island, New York, 50 years ago. And joining us now is my friend, a real hero for so many children and adults with disabilities, Vicki Schneps. Vicki, by the way, is an activist. She's also a prolific publisher and also the president of Schneps Media. And she's also the founder of the great organization Life's Work. Vicki, it is so great to have you here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm delighted to be able to share the history and the fact that today we still must be fighting for the rights of people with special needs. 
yeah, there are so many battles that are still, you know, yet to be fought. You are still in the throes of it. I want to first have you take us back, if you could, Vicki, to what it was like, though, 50 years ago. Um, here it is. Your daughter, Laura, went to now the infamous Willowbrook. You were marching. You were picketing. Kind of describe the environment. And then, obviously, the lid gets blown off by this big story by Geraldo, which you were a part of. Well, you know, it really started with Lara turning blue in the nursery uh, when she was born. And the doctors thought I was a nervous mother when I saw she had problems with twitching, twitching eyes. And, in fact, she was had suffered brain damage. And the irreparable brain damage was such that they would be expecting her to be a three-month-old her whole life developmentally. And we had heard about a place called Willowbrook on Staten Island that had just built an infant rehabilitation center. And there was a place of hope because in 1970 there were no day programs. There were no therapy programs. There were no services at all in the community. So I actually went there with hope. And my wonderful neighbors and friends said, Vicki, there but for the grace of God, go I. Let's start an organization and volunteer and send, raise money for the people at Willowbrook. And so with uh, great trepidation, we went to Willowbrook with Lara. My husband was a lawyer, and I uh, felt, you know, well, let me see where we can be of help. But within a year, the budget that was funded mostly by the state was slashed. And that meant that the people who cared for Lara, who needed to be diapered, she needed to be fed, she needed to be held, she was not able to sit up, were immediately cut. So my lovely ladies and I became marchers and picketers. And the voices that we raised were really not being heard until Geraldo Rivera came with his cameras. And he snuck into the back wards at Willowbrook that I had never even seen and saw the horror of people sitting on the floors, just cold, many stalked naked. And I'll never forget his words. He said, I can let you hear the sounds. I can let you see the pictures. But how do I describe the smell? And that really was the shocking part, that these were human beings being treated uh, in such a disgustingly deprived way. And so my husband, a lawyer, said, we've got to file a federal class action lawsuit. This can never be right. And he was right. And so we did, and the parents got together, and they, my daughter being a named plaintiff, filed a federal class action lawsuit. Geraldo's coverage continued, and within the you know, number of years, Willowbrook was closed down by the lawsuit. And all the group homes that exist today in the community were created out of the Willowbrook consent decree. And so today we are, in fact, uh, celebrating at Willowbrook. There uh, now is the College of Staten Island. And they are remembering their history of what was there before it was a college. And so we have many ways to remember those terrible days. But you know what, Rita? Those terrible days can be back if we are not giving the right funding for the people who have special needs. And there is Thousand so much atrocities going on even today because of a lack of funding for services. So, you know, that's why I said the battle is never won, but it did inspire me to go into the news business. And I started in my living room with a, with a John Toscano, a professional journalist, uh, my own newspaper in, uh, called The Queen's Courier. 
And that really was the inspiration. My daughter, Lara, taught me more than any person who was, quote-unquote, normal. She was the most special person on earth. And uh, I'm so grateful that she led me on a path that today we own 88 newspapers and devoted to community, devoted to total coverage of advocacy for people in the neighborhoods we serve in New York City, Westchester, Rockland, Long Island, dance papers in the Hamptons, dance papers in Palm Beach, Philadelphia Daily Newspaper, AM New York. So, you know, we really totally focused on the neighborhood and the people who make our neighborhoods great. So this is a great journey that we're on, and you're one of the people that we see doing great things, and I'm so delighted to be here today. Wow. Well, you have inspired so many people, and I think about your daughter, too, and how beautiful that she continues to inspire you to this day. I think about the courage that you had, Vicki Schnapps, back then, too, um, to first march and picket, and then, as you mentioned, you know, file that lawsuit, uh, that class action lawsuit. That wasn't easy. What people don't realize is that even when you won the lawsuit, which is amazing to get the group homes, which are so desperately needed, and not just for, as you mentioned, for your daughter, there were 5,000, um, you know, in that school. So you helped so many families. You had death threats. Talk about how tough that was even after winning the lawsuit. Well, we uh, decided that from a volunteer organization, we were going to be a provider organization, and Life's Work was going to operate a group home. And I went looking for a house that would be appropriate, and we found this wonderful home in Little Neck, Queens, uh, that had been owned by this man who was an engineer. He built it in a magnificent way, and it was on half an acre in New York City. Imagine a half an acre in New York City, and Little Neck was a beautiful community, and when we notified the community that we were going to be using it as a group home, I got death threats, and I had to take my Schnepp's license plate off the car because these people were so um, insanely angry that we should come to their neighborhood. And, in fact, these children were just children. I mean, they happened to be having special needs because they, some of them were brain damage at birth, some of them went Down syndrome, some of them, they were just beautiful people, but people were afraid of anything different in their neighborhood. And so we uh, were sued. They created the Little Neck Civic Association. They sued us, and we were blessed to win the lawsuit and make law that group homes could be in R1 and 2 zones. And we've come a long way, baby, but it, we still have a long way to go because we have opened the group homes. People do live in home-like settings that are their home. And now we really face another challenge, which is that when someone turns 21, there are no programs for those people to go to anymore. And so these are the challenges we face today to get the appropriate funding for people with special needs to have programs after they're 21. Children like Lara need care forever. The kids in the autistic session, they don't get out of being autistic. You are in the spectrum for your whole life. And so we've got to find the right services to serve those folks for their whole lives. The first home we named the Geraldo Rivera Group Home. And to this day, Geraldo is there. Geraldo is, we just celebrated with him as our 50th anniversary came. And he has stayed involved and raised money for us all these 50 years. 
How beautiful. And, you know, I know Geraldo, I'm so proud of his work supporting and he has been so proud. I think of all the accomplishments he's done in his life. He's so proud of working with you uh, and blowing the lid off Willowbrook. Um, Before I let you go, and by the way, I am the godmother of two autistic boys um, who are on the spectrum. And so I have such love and appreciation for everything uh, that you and Geraldo have done. You know, I want to ask you, what's your message to other parents out there um, who are still fighting the fight, as you talk about, for funds uh, with the state and what to do, especially, as you mentioned, after kids turn 21, uh, but also getting the right school, getting the right programs. What's your message to other parents? How can they get strength from you? Put on blinders, know your path, and just stay focused and persist. It is a lifetime battle to get the right services for your child. And you've got to take the perspective that this is a lifetime responsibility to fight for the rights of your child. Never give up, persist, and you will be successful. But then there'll be the next day, with the next journey, with the next battle. So I think that life is a great adventure. In some cases, like I do with my daughter, a constant battle to fight for what they need. But don't give up. That is the best message. I never give up and know you're doing the right thing to fight for your child. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Vicki Schnepps, a uh, uh, publishing powerhouse, an amazing activist, an amazing mom, and also the founder of Life's Work. Thank you so much for all you have done through the decades and continue to do uh, for parents and for children who deserve the very best. Well, you're like me, Rita. We don't give up. We just keep at it, right? We keep at it, and you inspire me. Thank you for being here, Vicki. Thank you for having me. Have a beautiful night. Wow, amazing. That was 50 years ago. And think about the guts of people like Vicki Schnepps there honoring her daughter, who was one of the named plaintiffs in that suit, and changing it around not just for her daughter, but for literally thousands upon thousands and now millions of people with disability, children, and also adults, and still continuing the fight to this day. Bravo to her and all the incredible work that she has done. We're taking your calls, everybody, as we're talking about crime in America and also about people who are courageous to make a difference and to stand up. Boy, I get a lot of inspiration from people like Vicki Schnapps. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman uh, real quick. Um, and Norm, before um, I have you uh, talk about Soros, uh, isn't she amazing, uh, Vicki Schnapps, and what they did back then? Think about the changes. Very much wow. so. And I, I, I didn't want to talk about Soros. I, I was going to talk about Soros. But uh, I'm sitting here in my hotel room in the swamp here. So uh, basically, I uh, I was going to talk about my sister, who was a volunteer during that time at Willowbrook. And um, basically, I was very young. I do remember the Willowbrook. I do rem- I do remember Geraldo. And I always said, no matter. What politics? Uh, I didn't agree with Geraldo on. He did a blessed thing um, by deinstitutionalizing the developmentally disabled from from Willowbrook. And my sister, who was then 16 or 17, her name is Cindy. My sister um, was one of the many young people who went to Willowbrook to aid and abet it and getting it 
institutionalized and to volunteer. Oh, how beautiful. Wow, Norm, how great. I have her button to this day. It says Willowbrook, volunteer, and uh, I uh, don't get along with my sister at all, um, but basically my my. My sister did a beautiful thing, and I just think I'd just like to say thank you to wow. her out there in Radio Land. <laughs> no, absolutely. And by the way, Norm, um, how amazing, um, as you just brought up your sister, too, to have the guts to make those changes. Um, I've talked about this on the air, too, that I'm the godmother of two autistic boys. And so for me, um, I think that children with disabilities in so many ways are like even more brilliant um, than those who, you know, who don't have disabilities. They're, they are so sharp. They're so bright, um, so intuitive in so many incredible ways. And yet um, they also need great people to fight for them. And bravo to your sister, bravo to Vicki Schnepps and all of those who have been fighting the good fight for people like that. Um, Norm, you're awesome. Now I know you have even good genes in your family, too. I love it. And when we come back, we're going to take your calls on this. And also we are talking about Soros and his support of soft on crime DAs. He is not backing down. In fact, he's doubling down and saying he wants more of them. This is incredible. And also, what are your thoughts about Willowbrook as we've been talking 50 years ago? one 800 848 9222 and you are listening to the Rita Cosby show. You're listening to the Rita Cosby show. It's the Rita Cosby show. And we are talking about soft on crime DAs across the country and the fact that George Soros, who is the biggest backer, hands down, the left wing billionaire philanthropist, 91 years old, doubling down on his support of these soft on crime DAs, even though he's conceding in an op ed that he wrote for The Wall Street Journal that, yeah, there have been increases in crime rates, but Short-term doesn't necessarily invalidate the long-term aims aims of his vision for justice reform. Do the victims of crime want justice reform? Do police out there want justice reform? I don't think so. George Soros wants it and doesn't care if the crime rate is rising. He still thinks we got to keep going. And he's backed a lot of these guys like George Gascon in L.A. and also in New York. Of course, soft on crime DA, the guy who went after Joe Alba. Remember Jose Alba? He's the guy who threw him in Rikers at first and put him up for $500,000 bail. Yet if you're a repeat offender, it's like, come on out. No problem. Keep terrorizing society. But you're a law-abiding business worker in a bodega. He throws you away. My goodness. Anyway, here is Alvin Bragg and a little bit of his soft on crime policy. Obviously, there's going to be a government response. Um, but for for fair evasion, it's not going to be incarceration, not in Manhattan. I had a, you know, a, a shootout my block a month ago. Uh, you know, we need to be focused on that. Yeah, we'll be focused on that, even though he doesn't seem to be focused on that either. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Craig. Uh, line two. Craig, your thoughts about this? 
Hi, Rita. Um, I I wasn't surprised to hear about Adam Schiff, and I can just picture this low life uh, Soros and him sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner with like Hillary Clinton, going, "How the hell can we just ruin this country? How can we just destroy it with lies and and being and all protected by the FBI and the the deep state?" It's like. It just gets more sick and more sick. And, just, well, you know what it is also, Craig? It's a testament that people have to get out and also make sure that they vote. Um, because a lot of times some of these people speak what they think. Alvin Bragg was out there in a debate. Um, and I remember in a debate uh, that was hosted at WABC, you know, our main station here, um, at the debate, he came out and he said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give people a pass here. And it was like, whoa, if this guy gets in, and sure enough, he gets in. You know, it's like he's walking the walk, sadly. So you got to read exactly what, read this fine print and believe what they're saying because a lot of them are pretty transparent. You just don't notice. You go in the voting booth, you check here, here, here. And now you're like, oh, my goodness, look what's happened to crime. Um, But it is scary stuff, really, really scary stuff. Let's go to Jacqueline, line five. Jacqueline, go ahead. Hi, Rita. Um, You know, as you just said, it comes down to voting. Uh, In New York here, uh, Kathy Hocus Pocus is only concerned that she remains the governor of New York. She has no concern for for the people of the city of New York. So that's why she's not doing her job, which is to get rid of Alvin Bragg. And people need, when they go to the polls, they need to be aware of who it is they're voting for. They can't just blindly vote the party line or vote based on ethnicity or race. They have to really consider what these people are saying. As you said, Alvin Bragg laid it right out on the line and said exactly what type of a, a district attorney he was going to be. And and he, he uh, you know, kept his promise. He is doing exactly what he said he would do. Right. And we got to we got to notice these things and pay more attention, you know, because I think also a lot of times you go in and you don't really realize the importance of D.A.'s. I mean, quite frankly, sometimes there's so many names on the voting ballot that you're like, oh, okay, you're so focused on maybe the Senate race or the governor or the presidential race. And you just kind of check it off like, okay, now you got to go, wait a minute. What is this person's policy? What does he think about law and order? Where does he stand and we can't forget about that. Um, Jacqueline, great points. Let's go to Robert. Line three. Robert, your thoughts. Hi. So when Soros says that what he's doing is working, it is working. It's working for him. It's his own distorted, uh, demented reality that he's putting out there that he wants to create. Yeah. He's no. Yeah. Mindset, he's got a mindset of what he wants to do. And it's in quite Quite frankly, I'm really surprised. I am really surprised that with all of the damage he's caused and all the lives, lives that have been lost, that he's still alive. <laughs> well, listen, I don't wish anybody uh, to perish, but I wish his philosophy would perish and the impact that it's having on the soft on crime DAs across the country because it's outrageous. The key is you got to make sure you don't vote for ones who will not keep you safe. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 